Welcome to Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy podcast. I am Michael Ashton. I am the Inflation Guy, and I am your host. And, uh, and today we're going to talk about something with a little bit more staying power. Now that things have calmed down just a bit from the, the flurry last week, the last couple of weeks, we had a very high inflation figure that was followed a few days later with the Fed raising interest rates by 75 basis points for the first time in almost 30 years. And, uh, and markets have reacted with their usual aplomb. Not really. Actually, markets have been pretty violently uh, uh, discounting this new world that, that we're in. And, uh, and before I kind of go to uh, today's topic, I want to briefly give you sort of my Fed views. And my, my view of the Fed, and I should say up front that I did not think that the Fed would still be tightening this far in. I, I sort of thought that once the market started to sell off the stock market, um, that the Fed would lose its nerve. Now, um, I guess they haven't really been punished yet because the, the stock market isn't selling off in a very sloppy, illiquid fashion, but you know, it, it started to look a little bit like it last week. And so I will say that, that I, did not, I did not expect the Fed to, to have uh, quite the, the uh, cojones that they've that they've had so far, um, but but I believe, and I think we all know now that the Fed is behind. I mean, I've been saying for some time they that they were doing too much on the easing side, and they should be doing something on the tightening side. But uh, they've now come to religion themselves. Um, but my fear is that increasing interest rates without restricting reserves which is the traditional way that the Fed has raised interest rates is by, is by uh, restricting, restricting bank reserves, which then caused banks to make fewer loans and caused money supply growth to slow and had, as an ancillary effect, had interest rates go up. But now the Fed is, is raising rates without restricting reserves. And that's something that we have never tried in any sort of inflationary environment. It is an experiment, and my fear is that uh, we know that when interest rates go up, money velocity goes up, and the effect on money supply growth is is indeterminate. Um, and so this is experimental. We don't really know how it's going to work, and it seems like uh, that's a dangerous experiment to to be doing right now. So um, in any event, at least the Fed speakers now do admit that inflation will be with us through at least 2022, 2023. They still believe it's going to come back down eventually and that it's going to come down to something like their old target. And we'll just have to see. They're certainly more optimistic than I am. But that leads us to today's topic, which is, um, you know, people are always asking, well, what do you do in that kind of environment? You know, obviously, a high inflation environment is bad for stocks. It's bad for bonds. People used to say it was really good for stocks, but I think now we can, everyone can see that that's not the case. Um, but uh, people often ask me about gold. And people have also been asking me for some time to do a podcast about gold. And is gold the answer? Well, I guess really the question is not is gold the answer, but 
But what the heck is gold doing? Since uh, mid-July 2020, so about two years, gold is roughly unchanged. And in fact, gold is roughly unchanged since 2011. Uh, meanwhile, from mid-2018 to mid-2020, gold was up about 50%. And that so that was before COVID is gold had this massive run-up. And then we got COVID, we got inflation, and gold went flat. So it hedged inflation very well when there wasn't any hedge, when, they, when there wasn't any inflation, and it did not hedge inflation very well at all when there was inflation. So that that doesn't seem like the way we the gold is advertised. What's going on? I'm going to refer back. Uh, first of all, if if you haven't listened to episode 19, which is about the dual duration of of tips and nominal bonds, um, that's as worth referring to. And the basic idea here, when it with respect to gold, is that gold doesn't just have sensitivity to inflation. That's not the only sensitivity it has. It's actually fairly complex for a, a lump of yellow metal. It really has at least three things. Uh, there's at least three things that we can mean when we say that, that we want something to hedge inflation. First, we we could mean that we want something, if we, if we say we want an inflation hedge, we could mean that we want something to hedge the short-term changes in the price level. If inflation goes up 1% next month, we want an asset that goes up 1%. If inflation uh, is minus 1% next month, then we expect that asset to fall 1%. If, uh, but, but that's sort of a, a we'll, we'll call that an, a, an inflation beta or perhaps a price level beta, but we, ex- we want some asset to keep up with the price level. The second way we could mean that we want an inflation hedge is that we, have, we, we want it to hedge inflation expectations, that when people are starting to expect more inflation, then we, our asset does well. So when inflation expectations are at 2 and they go to 3%, then we want to have a gain. But if people stop being so scared and inflation expectations go from 3% to 2%, then we expect to lose. I'd call that inflation expectations beta. And then the third type of beta here, if, we are, if we're talking about hedging inflation, I would call real rate beta. And, and again, this sort of goes back to the whole dual duration concept a little bit um, and, and how real interest rates and nominal interest rates interplay. But we're just talking about gold here. And my real interest rate beta comes about if what I really want to hedge is not the month-to-month change in inflation, but I want to hedge the long-term change in the price level. So if the price level is up 30% over 10 years, then I want my asset to gain 30%. Maybe plus some real return, but, but, but that's that's what I'm trying to keep up with the long run price level. And, and so the real rate beta comes, arises from that because uh, what real rates do, what real interest rates do is they tie real quantities together. They tie real quantities in the future to real quantities today. So they are a real cost of money. So if you if you think about tips, and let's think about a zero coupon, you know, a, a, a tips bond that yields zero, uh, it, it, essentially what that bond is, 
is something which we buy today and at maturity in 10 years or whatever, it pays us a lump sum that is equal to the new price level, how much the price level has, has risen. If we, if we bought it at 100 and the price level went up 30%, we'd get $130 in the future. And so that's, that's in that case, that is, a, that is tying this, this real quantity, the, the market basket today with the, with the market the value of the market basket in the future, and it's tying it with no gain or loss, okay? So if the value went up 30% in nominal terms, we got 30% more nominal dollars. So either way, we can buy that basket. We can buy it today. We can buy it in 10 years. And so it's connected by this, uh, th- this real interest rate of zero. So if gold is a good long-term price level hedge. Well, let, let me back up a bit. Gold is clearly not a good short-term price level hedge. As I just said, gold's done nothing for the last two years. The two years prior to that, it was up 50% when there was no inflation. So it is clearly not on a very short-term basis a good price level hedge. But there's really good evidence. There's lots of evidence. You know, we have prices for gold going back thousands of years. And there's pretty good evidence that over a long period of time, gold keeps up a approximately equal to the price level. And it ought to. If we're measuring the price level right, gold ought to keep up with the price level because we're starting with some real quantity, a pound of gold, and we're ending up with a real quantity, a pound of gold. And so in between, what was our payoff in terms of units of gold, in real units? Okay, so getting rid of all the interest rate stuff. A real, a real interest rate is saying, how much more stuff do I get? And the answer is, if I started with a pound of gold or of copper or of any real commodity asset, and I ended with the same amount, my real return was zero. And so you would expect that if you hold, if you, if you buried a pound of gold in your yard and came back at a thousand years, you would think that the price of gold at the time would be would, would roughly reflect how much price it had changed in a thousand years. There's obviously a lot of flex there. We don't measure the price level, you know, super accurately in a lot of ways, but that's the general idea. And it, so it should not be surprising that a real asset like gold keeps up with the price level over a long period of time. So Let's think of two alternatives. Sometimes if you want to get to the bottom of how an asset behaves, you have to sort of think of what the alternative to that asset is. And so let's, let's think about gold. Let's suppose what we want, we, we're buying gold because we want to buy something. We buy $1,000 of go, worth of gold today because we want to buy something in 10 years that um, costs $1,000 today. And, and it's going to cost more in the future. So we buy gold hoping that it keeps up with the price level. And by the way, that's kind of what we're doing when we put gold in our retirement accounts, right? That what we're buying is, is this basket of, of goods and services that we're going to buy when, when we are retired. And so we want gold to at least keep up with the cost of those goods and services. So option one, if we want to hedge against the rise, this long-term rise in the price level, is to buy, you know, $1,000 worth of gold. Option two is to buy $1,000 worth of 10-year tips, if this is 10 years in the future we're talking about, because 10-year tips 
if they had a zero real yield, as I said, they're going to pay you the rise in nominal prices over that time period. And so if the real yield of the tips is zero, and we know the real yield on gold is essentially zero, it doesn't throw off any gold by holding it, then those two things at the end of 10 years should behave approximately the same. And the reason I draw that analogy is that we have a very good idea what drives the cost of tips. Tips are, are driven in the, you know, they'll have a very short-term accretion with the price level, but then they have a real duration that is driven by changes in real interest rates that tie that real quantity in the future to what we have to put into real units today to get that real amount in the future. And so when real interest rates are positive, then we have to invest less stuff today than we expect to have stuff in the future. And if real rates are negative, then we have to invest more stuff today. We expect to lose that stuff over time and get less stuff in the future. Okay, so, so that's how, how tips behave. Gold doesn't have a maturity, so it effectively acts in a lot of ways like a perpetual zero-coupon inflation-linked bond. Um, so when real yields fall, if you buy your tips, okay, so if you took basket two here, you, you bought your tips instead of buying gold because you have this, you want to make this purchase in 10 years, and, and real yields go up, then what happens to the value of the tips? Well, then the value of, those, of that portfolio of tips, of that particular tips bond, the value goes down because we had a, it's got a zero coupon and now market yields are 1%. And so the bond that we hold is less attractive than the ones we could buy today yielding 1%. And so the value of that bond drops and it drops until its yield to maturity is equal to a market yield to maturity. Gold does the same thing. Now, again, the alternative here to buying your zero coupon tips is to buy your zero coupon gold. But what happens when real yields go up and suddenly the, the, that tips bond that is out there now yields 1%, it's more attractive than your gold. And so you should be selling that gold and buying tips. And so that will tend to mean that those two things are going to co-move. They're going to move together. When tips are doing poorly, because they're such a good substitute for gold in the very long term, they should, that gold should also fall. And so it turns out that that is, is really exactly what happens. Gold has a, a real duration, just like a very long-term tips bond. So you could think about it as a zero, a zero real yield perpetual. It can trade at a premium, just like a tips bond can trade at a premium. If it has a, a high coupon and it's trading at a low yield, it can trade at a discount, just like tips can. Uh, unlike with a bond, because it has no maturity, we can't really observe that premium or discount. Right, So you know when you buy a 10-year a tips bond and it has a price of 120 
uh, a real price of 120 you know that that's going to gradually decay over time. It's got a nice big coupon, but you're going to lose principal over time. That's just how bonds work. We don't, we can't see that with gold. We don't know what that, what that, what par is to put it in, in, in bond terms, except that you sort of can. Uh, Urban Harvey said, um, wrote a paper, uh, Claude Urban or Claude Harvey and heck, I can't remember their first names. Anyway, Urban and Harvey wrote a paper called The Golden Dilemma a while ago, and it's a great paper and well worth reading. And one of the things that they did is they looked at the real price of gold and used it to forecast or use, kind of related the current real price of gold to the subsequent real return of gold over the next 10 years. And they found that if gold had a high real price, then it tended to have subsequently poor real returns. And if gold had a low starting real price, it tended to have good returns. Uh, and so all they basically did is they, they took the price of gold and divided by the price level. Because again, if gold is supposed to keep up the price level, then in periods where it goes up faster than the price level, it's getting more expensive. And in periods when it goes up slower than the price level, like over the last two years, it's getting cheaper. And so I can, I, it's very easy for me to say that between 2018 and 2020, when gold was up 50% and the price level was up 4%, that gold was getting a lot more expensive. Was it already expensive? Don't know. But I do know that it was more expensive at the end than it was at the beginning. Similarly, over the last two years, with the price level up 12% or whatever it is, gold is unchanged. And so I don't know if it started off rich or cheap, but it got cheaper. And so that turns out to be a pretty decent way to sort of look at, at gold over a long period of time. Uh, if you look at, if you take that real price, and again, just divide gold by the price level through time, and compare it to 10-year tip shields or 30-year tip shields, you, you choose. And you'll see that the correlation between them over a long period of time is actually really, really really, really strong, just like it is the, the correlation between 10-year tips and 30-year tips is very, very strong. They, they do, sometimes the curve steepens or flattens, but, uh, but they tend to move together. Those, those yields tend to move together. And so earlier I said that the price of gold <clears throat> was, was unchanged, roughly unchanged uh, from 2011. And in fact, the real price of gold is a little bit lower than it was in, in mid-2011, but about the same uh, price that it was in early 2011. And then also, at the time, real yields of 10-year tips were right about where they are today. And so if, if you look at, at this chart, it, it's very obvious when you go through periods that gold is doing a little bit better than it probably should be and, and doing a little worse than it probably should be. It kind of sort of jumps off the page at you. Because I'm bearish on real yields, okay, and I'm less bearish now, real yields at, you know, 10-year real yields at, you know, 0.67% now after approaching 1%, um, I'm a lot less bearish on real yields than I was when they were minus 1 or minus 2, but real yields will eventually get to 1%, 1 1.5%, 2%. That's sort of where they are, that's kind of where the natural equilibrium for real yields is in the long term. And if that's the case, if real yields go to 1.5%, 1 
then I would expect a 20% decline from here in the real price of gold. Now, does that mean that I expect gold to fall 20%? No. What it means is I expect the real price to fall 20%, and, and that can happen one of two ways or more likely a combination of these things. One is that gold, the price of gold could fall 20% while prices remained unchanged, the price level remained unchanged. I don't really think the price level is going to stay unchanged. So the other way this could happen is that the price level could go up 20% and gold could be unchanged. I also don't think gold will be unchanged. So some combination of those two things is likely to happen with gold going down a little bit and, and the price level going up a little bit. Um, and that's assuming that I'm right and that real yields do go to 1.5%. If real yields rally from here and they, they go negative again, then gold's going to look much better going forward. But essentially, that's what I'm saying, is that your forecast on gold is going to be inherently tied to your forecast on interest rates. Um, and you're really not getting anything that's much different than a long-term inflation-linked bond. Um, I, I know it was used by Kings. Um, I know that it's, it's wonderful in jewelry and and uh, it's, it's poetic and all kinds of other stuff, much more poetic than tips. But the bottom line is it's a real asset and tips are a real asset and they're going to tend to move together. Now, the next question might be, well, inflation guy, if gold does that, why don't all real assets do that? And the answer is, well, some of them do. Housing behaves kind of like that uh, in the long run. The real price of housing over a long period of time is roughly zero. Uh, it's a little bit harder to measure than, the, than an ounce of gold, but, but it, it tends to be the case. And so it tends to also respond to changes not in nominal interest rates, but changes in real interest rates as well. And so it does kind of behave like that. Other more industrial commodities do not tend to behave quite like that because they have other uses. And so there's a, there's a coupon, if you will. There's a use for copper other than just holding it, you know, because you want to, to keep up with the price level. And the value of <laughs> its value in use, uh, to go back to a, uh, an Adam Smith um, uh construction, it's, its value in use changes a lot. When we start making more uh, batteries, then copper gets more, more valuable. That part of it, the use part of it gets more valuable. And so when you look at, so even if you look at silver, which is another precious metal and co-moves with gold a lot, but it has lots of industrial uses. Gold, not so much. Most of the reason that people own gold, the vast majority of it is held for investment purposes. And so that's why it acts a lot more like an investment. You didn't think that an inert lump of yellow metal could be uh, quite so complex, did you? Uh, I didn't think this was going to be a 25-minute podcast, uh, but uh, it is a, it's a weird subject, and, and yet at some level it's very, very simple when you actually kind of get down to what it is that we're doing. It makes perfect sense that gold behaves in the way it does. But when people buy gold because they expect inflation coming, they don't get it. 
and uh, and and often that makes them very upset, and I get a lot of upset um, emails and and, and calls. Um, just wait till I talk about crypto. Anyway, that's all for today's podcast. Uh, you can contact me, uh, inflationguy at enduringinvestments.com, or follow my blog, follow me on Twitter at inflation underscore guy, download the Inflation Guy app, uh, visit Enduring Investments. But no matter how you contact me, or if you choose not to contact me in any event, defend your money. If inflation is coming for you, remember, you know a guy.